here with Ryan Weeks, the Chief Information Security Officer for Datto. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing very well. Cool. Chief Information Security Officer, what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different companies. At Datto, what it means is uh, I am ultimately responsible for the information security of Datto's own company and its own internal corporate uh, systems and infrastructure. It also means that uh, I play uh, an active role with our product teams, thinking about security inside of our products and what we can do to extend the security um, and security functionality of our products to better aid our MSPs um, in uh, the, the work that they do to help their end customers. Um, and I, I do a lot of uh, MSP education, outreach, uh, speaking, um, and I'm currently on a crusade to unite uh, all of the uh, channel uh, vendor technology security teams together uh, in a fight against kind of the endemic threat that MSPs seem to be facing these days. Yeah, absolutely. So your role, no mean feat at the moment, given the current climate. Pretty broad, but I'm, I'm really lucky to have an amazing team that I've been able to build over the past few years. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, a, and a company that truly believes in the important work of security. So it makes getting out of bed and, and uh, coming to work to fight the good fight really, really uh, easy to do every day. And what's your background in information security? Uh, so I always knew at a young age that I wanted to, to, to be in networking and network security, and I was exposed to uh, this concept of intrusion detection at a very young age. Um, and I was like, oh, I want to do that. And so I actually oriented all of my studies. Um, information security wasn't really a formal area of study when I went to uh, university. So uh, I kind of built my own um, set of courses, uh, had some business, had some software engineering, some IT systems, um, and kind of had our own little club of people that like to you know, break things and put them back together. Um, and uh, eventually wound up um, doing contract work uh, for vulnerability management. Um, and then found my way into financial services and just grew through the ranks over the years and ran a, a global information security program for a fintech company um, dealing with protecting and storing very sensitive information in, in a cloud environment. Um, and then the Datto thing just kind of dropped out of the sky into my lap. And um, I really felt like I could take all the really um, kind of intense study and experience that I'd had through that, that entire life cycle and apply it to help small and medium-sized businesses through MSPs. And one of our missions is to bring enterprise-grade security to managed service providers. And so that really resonated with me when I was interviewing with Datto and it was one of the huge reasons why I joined. And um, I've been able to have a tremendous impact and just, again, just really enjoy what I do every day. So that's my background at a very broad level. No, I love it. And Datto yeah. have, uh, have clearly chosen the right man for the job here. You are a very busy man. Yeah. Um, I want to dive into something that you've already touched upon, really. There's a difficult time for MSPs. They are being targeted by criminals. Mm -hmm. Now, I use the term criminal. Most people would say hackers, but these are criminals that are going in. These, you yeah. know, these are not people that are playing around. These are people who are trying to do damage and make a lot of money off doing it. What's the broad advice that you're giving to data partners on how MSPs can stay safe in the current climate? Yeah, the, the, the kind of sound bite that I have for MSPs, uh, and I'll steal from kind of the airline industry, MSPs put your oxygen masks on first. Um, right now, you know, with the, we saw a pretty seismic shift in the threat landscape around this time last year, September of, of uh, 2018, um, where MSPs started to you know, become the focus of attack because their supply chain 
to interesting end customers that attackers want to attack. And MSPs traditionally do a great job of protecting their end customers, um, but sometimes um, maybe neglect, uh, you know, no, through no fault of their own, their own internal program, because they're doing such a good job protecting their end customers. And so I think we're just at an inflection point where MSPs really need to stop and look at the things they're doing to protect themselves, their technology ecosystem, because uh, right now they're effectively co-sharing risk with their customers. The risk of the, you know, their customer's risk is their risk and their risk is their customer's risk. And I think they really need to start um, viewing it that way. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of like really tactical advice, but at the, at the, at the broadest level, um, it's, it's time to start looking at your own programs and getting your own houses in order. Um, and, you know, I don't know how to make it any simpler than that, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's really it. And that, again, that can mean a lot of things. Um, and MSPs have thousands of questions about what should I do and, you know, what's, what's the next control I should buy? Um, and in some instances, it's looking for the next piece of technology to buy and sell. But a lot of times it's like, just go back to the basics. Um, you know, look at your people and your process and get your basic IT hygiene in order before you try to do anything more advanced because, a lot of these cyber criminals, and we'll call them hackers, like um, like like you, it is cyber criminals. They're not doing anything exceptionally interesting. They're doing basic living off the land techniques, stealing credentials, um, you know, existing vulnerabilities, poor hygiene, like RDP open to the internet. So it's just if you focus on simple things, you can actually really reduce your exposure. You don't need to have you know, the best technology. But I think a lot of MSPs are both interested in kind of shoring up that basic IT process hygiene, as well as bringing in some kind of advanced technology to help make sure that they're protected for themselves and their customers. Yeah. Um, and I think the channel is really, there's been like a rallying cry in the last year to kind of bring ourselves together on this. And, and we've been doing a lot more, uh, certainly uh, interacting with our partners and trying to build a community of education sharing and engagement and bringing up like, you know, competitors together in the name of like, we can compete out there in the broader market. And during the keynote, you know, we were talking about the size of the MSP market. There's more than enough to go around. We are facing an endemic threat right now. And the only way we're going to get through it is if MSPs and all the channel technology vendors band together uh, and, and really start you know, fundamentally changing the way we think about securing ourselves and our customers. Absolutely, because the bar needs to be raised. As you say, the bar is actually quite low it when is. we look at it's it. Really These, are, right um, you know, whilst there are a lot of sophisticated criminals out there, there's also a lot of people that are just taking advantage of really basic vulnerabilities. You know, the the advice that I give to MSPs is to um, to eat their own dog food. I guess we're in we're in France, Ryan, so we should say drink drink your own champagne. <laughs> yes, but, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, anything that uh, an MSP would advise their customers to do to have a look at their own systems and make sure that they've got that in place for themselves. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, certainly most of these attacks that we've seen. Uh, when I say we, I mean the broader security teams at other channel technology vendors that I interact with on a daily or weekly basis are not seeing a lot of these. MSP targeted attacks in Europe, Australia, or Asia Pac, and we don't really know why. There's no reason for this geo to not be focused. But what I would say specifically to MSPs here in Europe uh, and, and outside of kind of North America, you have an opportunity to learn from what's happening in the US before it spreads here. And so 
while it might not be happening to you in your area right now, don't let that help. Don't let that make you complacent. There are things that everybody all across the world need to be doing. And that's why when Datto pushes out security improvements or mandatory 2FA for RMM or any security control we have, we're doing it across the globe. Because when we look at what the motivations of these attackers are and what the exposures of MSPs are, there's no logical reason why they couldn't focus on this region. And so we're saying we're going to stick, it's like, it's the best thing for MSPs as a whole. So we're not focused on just protecting US and Canadian partners. We're focused on protecting every data partner across the entire ecosystem in the entire world. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, probably a lot more we could say on that topic as well. But Probably, we, we could probably talk for hours, but I want to pick up on something that you talked about, and this is the, the, the mandatory two-factor authentication, the yeah. multi-factor authentication. I really applaud this. I think this is fantastic because the only way the yeah. industry is going to move forward is if we, you know, uh, we, we take the lead and start yeah. saying this is necessary. What, how did you arrive at that decision? Um, it was actually really... It, once you make the decision, it's actually very easy, but getting to the point of making it was quite difficult. Um, we kept seeing attackers use RMM technologies to exploit MSPs and their customers. And it wasn't necessarily always the fault of the technology solutions provider. And so we, you know, at Datto, or at least what I've done at Datto is I brought this, this mentality of a shared responsibility for security. MSPs and Datto share in their responsibility um, to protect their technology. And so there's just a lot more that we can do. And we looked at our MFA adoption rates, uh, they were exceptionally low. And it's just such a basic control. Like we've not seen a single, uh, across the entire channel, we, at that point, when we had made the decision, we had not seen a single attack against an MSP that had 2FA be successful. Wow. And so we were like, it's, it's just so basic. Um, and, you know, we were seeing other channel technology vendors struggle with the decision whether or not to do it. And one of the things I love about data is we're, we're able to make those hard decisions. We, you know, we, we noodled on it in the executive team and with my team, uh, with product. And ultimately we decided, yeah, we're gonna make this hard decision. And, and we decided to do it in a way where we announced our intention to do it. But we also went through a period of feedback because we're like, hey, we wanna do this. Like we're more than 90% sure this is a thing we're gonna do. But if we're way off the mark, you should tell us. And we got, you know, I think over a hundred responses, most of them overwhelmingly positive. Um, and so we just decided that it was, you know, the, 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 the time is right, the MSPs were behind us and, uh, it was just something that we needed to do. We were gonna take a leadership position in the market and say, you know, we're gonna be the first RMM to require two-factor authentication for all of its users. And we're still on that path. And as you heard Matei speak about in the in the keynote, um, uh, we're doing it in a way that not only solves the security piece, but we also listen to the feedback about usability and we're merging those two things together as we're delivering this functionality. And that's, that's I think, something else that is really important to me at Datto is merging pragmatic solutions with security and usability in mind, right? I, I don't wanna create a brick that no one can use. I want it to be a secure and usable experience. And so for really healthy collaboration with our product teams, and I'm, I'm excited about the direction that's going and the roadmaps we're building. And um, I think just, there's just so much that we can do to help MSPs um, in that shared responsibility model. And you know, I, I expect 
many more awesome announcements to come uh, in the next couple years as we start delivering on that roadmap. But it starts with helping MSPs do basic things right. And we have um, uh, a lot of work uh, being done right now to help MSPs adopt best practices on our BCDR appliances. Um, we are starting those in the US where the attacks are mostly endemic, but we will eventually roll those out globally. Um, and uh, MFA with RMM, and that's eventually going to bleed into all products. Yeah. Because um, we just believe that that's a table stakes control that uh, MSPs need to be using for all of their technology. And if you have that belief, you have to drink your own champagne. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I applaud the move to, you know, to, to lead with this. You're a market leader and, you know, where you lead, other people are going to follow and this is going to be good for the IT industry as a whole. That's the hope. And uh, I think in that idea of leading and having everyone else follow, that's why we're not just focused on data technology. We're also working with other channel technology providers to build an ecosystem of threat intelligence sharing and collaboration, talking about protection mechanisms that are working, how we're detecting MSPs attacks and preventing them. And there's this whole uh, kind of uh, grassroots effort that started after DataCon San Diego, where channel security vendors have been banding together, um, uh, really started with uh, Datto and Huntress. And we have just been slowly building this ecosystem. And we've been doing some pretty amazing things. And I think, you know, as we as we come out of dark mode in the next few months, we'll have some pretty interesting stories to share about some of the wins that we have out of that community. But we're still trying to grow it because it's my belief that, again, with an endemic threat, the only way we're going to get through it together. And if we're going to get through it together, we have to have a community built where we can share that information. And my belief is it starts with the vendors, but it eventually needs to be handed off to the MSPs. Um, and so we're, we're moving in that direction. So I'm also focusing a lot of effort in my quote unquote free time uh, to building this, uh, this ecosystem of collaboration so that we can better protect MSPs regardless of the technology that they use. Because um, as you know, data is an open ecosystem company. And so I, I, I care about every MSP that we have regardless of the technology they use. And so I think I have the ability to help you know, bring enterprise-grade technology to uh, MSPs, and that doesn't stop at Datto. I'm here to help the whole channel, and so however I can do that, I feel like you know, I wake up every morning with that feeling, that responsibility. I love it. Now, before we sat down um, and had this conversation, I spoke to a number of people in the industry, and I said, tell me about Ryan Weeks, and the feedback I got was, well, you're one of the smartest, most turned off guys in this <laughs> oh, industry. I, I can that. absolutely see why. Before we go, and I know you're a busy man here at DatoCon, are there any awesome resources that you would recommend to the listeners of this podcast to go and check out with information security? What do, what do you use on a daily basis to keep yourself up to date? What do I use on a daily basis? Um, I have a, a really good network of relationships um, that I've built. Um, you know, in my early days, I used podcasts. Um, I found news publications that I really liked, and I would make sure to read those. You know, listen to podcasts on the way into work or what have you. Um, now it's these communities and the ne these networks that I built uh, that I find help me keep me up to date. And my team, I have an amazing team that I built, um, and we're you know we're constantly communicating with each other about what's going on. Um, but I think it really comes down to like you just have to have a deep curiosity about what's going on and why it's going on and how it's happening. And if you build that curiosity, you're naturally going to gravitate towards the information resources that give you the tactical advice. Um, on how to protect yourself. And so I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all methodology, but I think the commitment to entering 
into the space and to understanding it is where it starts. And I don't, I don't, don't care whether your entry point is, you know, you're going to read, um, you know, a certain publication every day or a podcast, or you're going to go and you're going to say, hey, I'm going to adopt the NIST cybersecurity framework, or I'm going to make my MSP ISO 27001 compliant. Like, it doesn't matter to me how you enter it. It really just comes down to a commitment. And once you make that commitment, you'll find that you're naturally finding the resources you need. And know, uh, your listeners should know that there are a lot of other people like me in the channel space that want to help MSPs uh, improve their capabilities. And we have lots of advice. Um, we recently did a webinar with Huntress, ID Agent, uh, and uh, ConnectWise, um, where we kind of opened to all MSPs, all ecosystems geographically. We shared a lot of information about how to get started, the attacker tactics that we're seeing, and the actionable intelligence. Like, I would say, if you really want a quick crash course, just go watch that webinar and you'll get a lot of really decent information and advice. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, again, we could probably talk for an hour on that. We could do a, a podcast all about those <laughs> yeah. resources. And we, but, maybe but, we should. Yeah. <laughs> if, if your listeners want it, let, you know, let, let us know and maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do one. It'd be I, great. Would, I would love to. And we'll include those resources that you talked about in the show notes for this episode as well. But Ryan, it's been okay. a real pleasure to sit down with you. Thanks for making the time to chat yeah, with me. Yeah, no, thanks so much for your time as well. This has been great. Cheers. Emily Glass, Chief Product Officer. How are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm very good. We are here in uh, Paris at DatoCon 19. On est ici à Paris. See, I knew you were going to do this after I saw you speak on stage. And I was like, how long before I get spoke out in French and I uh, reveal myself to be the ignorant okay, Englishman. Okay, we'll stick to English today then. A little local flavor because, you know, we're in Paris. And talking of ignorance on my part, Chief Product Officer, talk to me about a typical day for you. What does that role entail? Oh, geez. A lot of different things. Um, so I have a big group of product management, design, and also our Scrum Master team at Datto, um, but also obviously executive responsibilities. So there's a little bit of everything, sort of thinking about the future of our products, chatting with you know partners about today's issues as well, right? And keeping that good uh, grounded balance, uh, managing team issues, hiring, because Datto is always growing. So hiring new product folks, designers uh, to the team is always a challenge or to the company at large um, as we're growing and expanding globally uh, as well. So there's a little bit of everything, some product management, some people management. Yeah, you are never busy. dull, never dull, busy. no. <laughs> now you've had an interesting path to, to the role at Datto. Uh, for people who are not familiar with your work, tell us a bit about your background. Sure, so um, I grew up in Montreal and I have a computer engineering degree and I moved to Boston a while ago and uh, through uh, various pathways, startups, some not, uh, I came to work at Backupify and uh, Datto happened to acquire them at the end of 2014. So that's how I, I came to be at Datto. And um, you know, for anyone who's been through an acquisition, small or large, uh, you're kind of almost starting a new job. At that point, you don't know the people People, uh, you know, it was in a different place headquartered. So uh, it was a, a matter of navigating uh, to my current place. And luckily, I think I got to spend a lot of time as customer experience officer, really dealing with the challenges of the product and the partners to get a great understanding of their business and their needs before moving into this role. So I think it was a great sort of training ground uh, yeah. for my job today. 
Very cool. Very cool. Now, I've seen you get very excited when you talk about the Datto networking yes. uh, products before. I can see you getting excited now. But why, yeah. why, why, why do you get so excited about it? What is it about the Datto networking products? Um, I think it's a very interesting challenge. First of all, it's one of our newer lines. Um, and it, you know, I don't know if you've chatted with John Tippett or the product and engineering team, but they're a very sort of passionate group around the mission of bringing networking gear and solutions to partners in a way that's built for MSPs. And so there's a bit of a technical sort of bundling, but also the way that the solution is managed is really tailored to MSPs. And then we get a lot of feedback and that's how we build the product. So I think I get so excited because it really is, I mean, all the product lines, we take partner feedback and sure. we improve and innovate or fix. Uh, but in networking, it's at the, it's the beginning of, 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 the, of the process. So I think that's even more exciting because I feel like you might sometimes have more options open and you really have to choose carefully. Yeah, and yeah. it's the start of an exciting new sort of product range and you're building it based on the feedback. I get yes. that. How would you explain the MSP focus for the data networking range to, to an MSP that say used Cisco or Draytech or you know these well-known brands that have been around for years? How do you explain the MSP focus? Yeah, that's a great question. So you know we typically look at the market for networking products and we see there's really two choices. There's the enterprise, which you highlighted you know, with the Cisco perhaps background, where um, you know, maybe it's not priced the right way, uh, the price too high uh, for that matter. Um, and you don't really need all those features as a small, medium business. Uh, so it's a little bit overkill and then it becomes complex to manage unnecessarily. Uh, and then at the commodity end, you might not have all the features you want. You might have a better price, uh, but again, you might not want to consume, it might not be priced in the way you want to consume it. So that's where the networking as a service concept comes in where, um, you know, the upfront hardware fee is very low, but there's an ongoing recurring monthly fee for all the support support, upgrades, you know, all of that the service that, that comes with it, a lifetime warranty, which we really think uh, is MSP focused. And of course, the cloud management on top of that, which some other solutions have or don't have. So uh, you might be able to find that somewhere else. Uh, but we put, really put a lot of energy into that and then making it really seamless to migrate uh, between Datto products. So if you're familiar with some of our other products, getting to the networking console, interacting with it, you kind of already have a sense of how it's going to go. So there's a little bit of less of a learning curve there and easier to manage solution. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm excited about the data networking. And I remember when it was released, it was like, how has somebody not done this before? Yeah. It's one of those ones that seems like a no-brainer. But yeah, uh, it's really unique and it's a huge opportunity for partners and for data. Um, so I think that's why you know I get yeah. so amped up about it. Yeah. yeah. Now you're big on feedback from uh, end uh, customers, from MSPs, but it's a two-way street. Mm -hmm. So is there a feature of data, any of the products that you know is awesome, but frustratingly, you see the MSPs just don't get it or don't mm. use it to its full potential? That's a good question. I think, um, you know, one thing that does frustrate me is when um, partners don't enable 2FA. Right. So, so, and but this is emblematic of a larger kind of set of things, which is, you know, we issue a lot of uh, features like alerts, like secu security layers, um, which walk. Ha we have to walk a line, right, between how much do we force upon a partner because we know it's best practice and we know it's in their best interest, yeah. or at least we believe it is, uh, versus let them choose their own destiny, right? And so it's frustrating when they don't take advantage of those types of features. Uh, alert. Uh, another example would be a 
backup alert, right? They don't have alerts set, so the backup's been failing, but they don't know it. And then, you know, when they need the data, it's not there, and you're like, oh, so frustrated because if you would have turned on the alert, you would have known. Um, but there's only so much we can enforce. And so data is always, you know, a partner-first company. So sometimes we let people choose their own adventure. Sometimes that adventure is a good one. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> frustrating. So I think those are the set that really like frustrate me when partners don't adopt them. Good, yeah. good. I understand that. Yeah. yeah. So you're clearly a hugely smart woman, mm-hmm. but you're working in a male-dominated industry. There's no doubt about that. You know, I've I've been talking for years about women in IT. Uh, CompTIA, I've got a fantastic organization, you know, advancing women in IT. What has been your experience as a smart woman working in the IT field? Yeah, that's a great, that's a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, I've grown up in a technical environment. Um, I did my computer engineering degree. There was never any doubt I was going to be an engineer, uh, but I can remember uh, starting my computer engineering degree in university. That was the first time where I really noticed that I was in a minority looking around, you know, three out of 10 were women. Um, But I just, uh, it didn't really bother me. I think I'm a very, uh, I think it's a little bit my personality. I'm very logical, very pragmatic, very efficient, and I want to sort of arrive at the best solution. And so I appreciate various viewpoints and I can kind of tolerate a lot of discussion or noise very well because I kind of cut through it and get to the point. Um, I think that's necessary for, for a product role where you have to like, you have to get something built at the end of the day and you have to sometimes push through a lot of objections or, oh, I don't know if it's possible and worries to, to get it done. Um, and I think that's my general approach in life. So I think it's my personality has served me well in just, you know, a lot of noise doesn't really bother me. I just want to get to the right right outcome. Um, so I think I've benefited from that, but it is, you know, it's not definitely not always easy. Yeah. And I know that your high profile role and the work that you're doing is inspiring other women in IT, you know, to stand up. So, you know, thank you for that because this industry needs to change. This industry, you know, needs to have more people like yourself in it doing it. So thank you for that. I appreciate that viewpoint. Yeah. I do feel like that's a responsibility. You know, you asked earlier about my day-to-day job and just sort of, you know, being that presence, being um, sort of a a powerful woman and modeling that for the folks at Datto, for our partners, for, you know, even the, the, you know, local Boston tech scene. I do view that as part of my job. Um, Not that I, (laughs) not that it's something I don't enjoy doing. I really do. Uh, and uh, we even have uh, some women in tech peer forums here as well. Um, and you noticed uh, we had a bunch of women in the keynote yesterday, actually, for the first time. So it's something that Dado is very passionate about uh, pushing forward as well. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate your time today. Would love to get you back on the podcast for when we've got a little bit more time to speak, because I know you were a very busy lady here today yeah. at Datocom. But thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Richard. Cheers. Mark Simon, MD, EMEA, Datto, how are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. A little bit tired, a little bit, I'm still taking energy from DattoCon after on day three now, but uh, it's been an amazing experience this, this week, so I really, really enjoyed it and looking forward to the party this evening. Indeed. Well, your first DattoCon, of course, because you're new to the managed service industry as a whole. Yeah, so it's actually, it's actually my second. Okay. Um, I got. I was lucky enough to go to San Diego. I've been in the business uh, a handful of weeks, actually. Recorded a podcast for Datto, which was hilarious because me and Christian Negali talking about the business, which I couldn't really contribute very much. Cause, <laughs> so we tried it. It's like, a, what would someone who doesn't know anything about the managed service industry say about DattoCon? So we tried it from that angle, and it actually worked quite well. But yeah, you're right. This is my first kind of proper um, involvement, and uh, it's been yeah, it's been really thrilling actually to be part of 
what has been a, an event that's actually gone past our expectations so far, just in terms of numbers, just the engagement, the networking, all those kind of things that we've seen. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. And my sense is just talking to dozens of partners that they are hopefully feeling the same way. Yeah. So what brought you to Datto, your background? You've got an interesting path that brought you here, I should say, yeah. including living and working in different countries. Yeah, so it's, it's not really, a, a, I suppose, a, a traditional path. Uh, I don't come from the IT industry at all. I've spent my career working in different industry. I was 15 years in the market research industry where I was early days with a company called Taluna, which was a French company. 10 employees when I joined, about 1,500 when I left. And we'd expanded all over the world, actually. Uh, it's an online research technology company. And I'd been lucky enough to run the UK and take the company public and then take it private and then ran global products for that business and ended up actually for the last six years living in the States, running our North American operation. And wanted to come back to the UK after six years, for personal reasons, but Datto was a real success story actually in the part of the US where I lived in Connecticut, just down the road from where I was living. And some of the t my team members had actually gone to work for uh, Datto, absolutely loved it. We were all, all still there, even five or six years later, and just got chatting to them about you know, expansion globally and what that looks like and how to do it well. Um, and they said to me, look, are you, are you thinking about going back to England anytime soon? And actually I was, uh, probably not quite as quickly as it turned <laughs> out, but ended up um, chatting to them sort of agreeing in January. And then um, in May, I, you know, the family and I were back, back in London, back in our old house. It's like the last six years have been a dream, you know, uh, it, just really happy to be back in Europe and um, getting stuck into to the Datto adventure. Oh, it's a wonderful story. And so are you settling in? Back in London? Yeah, it's amazing how quickly we slipped back in, actually. Yeah. I mean, you know, children are very adaptable, but even adults, it's amazing, you know, back to the old house routines and friends and so forth. But it, it, I genuinely, days. Yeah. Uh, some things you miss and some things you really appreciate about being back in England. But um, yeah, we're really pleased we made the move, not least because Datto has just been such an amazing business to be part of, as well as the community of MSPs as a whole, which I've really enjoyed getting to learn to know. Um, there's a few things about it that I mentioned yesterday in opening remarks, just that sort of, like sharing, that community, sense of community. Uh, the curiosity, the willingness to help each other. It's, it's, I've never seen it in any other industry. And I was actually asking uh, somebody else yesterday who knows the IT industry from top to bottom. And, and they were saying, actually, yes, the MSP community is very like unique in that respect. So no, I, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Now, your role, what does it entail on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, no day is, uh, is the same. Uh, what I've been focusing on in the first few months, and it's actually six months next week that I've been at Datto, is really about building a world-class team. And that's not just about hiring new people, although there's been quite a lot of that. We've brought um, some really strong senior leadership in from all over the business. Uh, it's been making sure people are in the right jobs, that they're kind of trained and supported and they, their missions are clear, where they, you know, what success looks like for them. So really the first six months has been very much about um, spending time uh, uh, with new potential new hires, um, existing ones. And I'd say I probably do probably eight to 10 interviews a week. And the rest of the time is spent coaching and looking at the team and how to, 
to move things around. Yeah, varied work then. Yes, <laughs> it is. and you know, internationally as well. So we, yes. um, although the UK is our largest part of our EMEA business, we still have very robust businesses in the Nordics, where we just actually opened a new office, or we're in the process of opening a new office. Uh, in Benelux, where Amsterdam is our is our base, and in the dark region where Munich is our as our kind of jumping off point. So all of those are really important to us. And then we we have a considerable partner base through our distribution network in southern Europe, so France and Italy and so forth. And yeah, it's it's really exciting. Really enjoying seeing the different phases of the MSP community in different countries. What do you see as the biggest challenge facing data in Europe over the next few years? Well, I think it depends which country you look at. Um, sometimes it's more of a, like, where is that particular market at in terms of its adoption of the, the managed services model? So in some countries, I mean, France is a good example. We're sitting here in Paris today. They're very much at the beginning of that journey. Mm-hmm. So things that we might take for granted, let's say, in the UK or the US, the idea of you know, business continuity, disaster recovery, is just less well-known. So it's an educational side. Uh, in some other areas, it's brand building, where Datto is not a well-known brand. Uh, Autotask actually had a pretty well-known brand in Europe. Um, they did very well on that, on that side. So uh, it, we have a good sort of um, base to go from, but Datto as a brand itself is, is not that well-known in some of the other markets. So a lot of it's around building trust, credibility around the brand and about what we, what we stand for. But whenever we talk to partners that we're setting up in Copenhagen, for example, or we're investing more in France, the the reaction is overwhelmingly positive that like a large North American company is taking um, EMEA seriously. Yeah, yeah. And as a non-techie coming into a techie industry, talking to a techie geek right now, what about all these acronyms we've got? Have you been confused by any of them yet? Terrifying. If you talk about (laughs) an MSP using an RMM through a PSA on Mandarin SLA, you can get sort of quite quite sort of um, bewildered sometimes. I think any any new industry is going to be rife with acronyms. We have an amazing technical team, whether it's our sales engineers or our product team or our success team. I, I'm learning a lot, but I think it's more about like what's what's the culture of the business? You know, what do we represent for MSPs? How can we help them? I don't think you need to be deeply technical. And as soon as it gets to that point, I. At least I know who to call to get, <laughs> to get in the room. Uh, but I'm getting better. I think the ability to learn is still there, even though I've been around the block a few times. Fantastic. Well, Mark, I know you've got a lot on today. Thank you for putting on another brilliant DattoCon. Thank you. Really appreciate well, being invited back again. And um, I wish you all the best of luck with your new role. Thank you so much. Well, great to have you here and um, look forward to seeing you next time around. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Thanks. I'm here with Christian Nagel. How are you doing? Very well, thank you, Richard. Good to be back here. Well, you were seat. you were a guest. You and Ian were a guest almost a year ago now when we were at DatoCon Barcelona, Barcelona yeah. and you talked about the journey from central stage from being a cloud-based RMM to where it is now. Yep. How has your baby, Centra Stage, which is now Datto's RMM product, how have you seen that grown in the last twelve months? Well, let me ask you a question, Richard. Right, um, sat here a year on from from Barcelona. What's your take on how far it's come? I would say that it is becoming not quite ubiquitous, but I am seeing a ton of MSPs using it. Feedback has been good. I know you've done some stuff on the UI and what have you, so feedback has been very positive. Yeah, good to hear. So um, I know I always 
caveat or preface my comments with it's a bit weird to be excited about RMM but no <laughs> we're, we're, RMM, really we're RMM geeks we can yeah talk we are RMM it. geeks yeah, so. So, so look I think um, almost as we said last year when um, when Ian was here um, with us you know we've, we've sort of lived quite a journey um, with what is now that RMM and yeah look it's been similarly upward curve over the last 12 months so we set out with Datto um, to essentially make Datto RMM the leading um, MSP-focused RMM on the market by the end of 2020. So we have this project called Datto RMM 2020. So that's a fairly bold statement um, to achieve market leadership. But I think the investment that's going into the product um, is testament to the fact we're serious about it. And so very much from a product-led perspective, um, there's been huge improvements, enhancements, um, and acceleration through the last 12 months, which is reflected in in the numbers. So every month, hundreds of MSPs are joining the, the Dado RMM platform. Um, it's a technology that is challenging to design, build, deliver, and support for all the RMM vendors. So we have a lot of respect for our competition. But I think where we started the company all those years ago has put us in a really good spot to both deliver a world-class RMM. We are delivering a world-class RMM, but also start to look beyond the traditional sort of RMM genre into what does RMM look like in three, five, seven years. So we're already starting that thought process um, already, but not getting ahead of ourselves and just delivering on that core RMM sort of product feature set um, to to ensure customers can deliver um, with that RMM what they need to deliver. So um, numbers speak for themselves, but it's been, yeah, it's been a superb year. And I think the buzz here at DatoCon is a reflection of the buzz both internally at Dato and externally around Dato RMM as it starts to infuse itself into other parts of both the Dato portfolio, but also we continue to build good integrations with, you know, competitive PSAs, for example. So um, remains a key part of the strategy. So progress on all fronts, I'd say. Yeah. And um, I'm going to make you blush here. Yeah. You're something of a visionary. I think you proved that. You and Ian went all those years ago, you went down the cloud route, which is now <laughs> the normal. So, you know, you talked about RMM in three, five years or whatever. When, yeah. How do you see RMM changing over the next few years? Yeah, so I think it's a very live debate within Datto. I would also credit um, um, my, my co-founder Ian, more the, the visionary status, but just <laughs> along for the ride. Um, Look, there's a couple of things that are clearly emerging. One uh, is it, it's as much about the end user now as it is about the device. So, uh, you know, the management of network devices and Windows laptops and servers um, is a very well-defined requirement. Um, it could always be done better, quicker, with more automation. But I think now the, the rise of the end user who's sat behind the, the Windows laptop or, or the MacBook Pro, um, you know, or the uh, the mobile device is becoming far more important in the world of the MSP to educate, to support, to, um, uh, to secure that end user. So that's clearly an upside with an RMM tool, it gives you a footprint on that end user's machine and therefore a window into their world and a, almost a two-way communication channel. So already starting to think, how does actually an RMM tool move beyond the device into more helping MSPs engage with their end user? Um, just for feedback, support, you know, all the usual things. Um, the explosion of internet connected devices, you can't move but for hearing for stats around you know, the, the rapid growth in um, you know, internet connected devices. 
have you be interested in your take is that you know the internet of things um you know is is quite enterprise and consumer focused at the moment not necessarily smb um but it's definitely coming and that can be anything from just kiosks or just unmanned internet enabled machines and i think our ability to plug in millions of internet enabled devices into the data armm platform is going to again be a key part of our differentiation going forward so um, you know, Ian and the guys designed and created the product to be able to essentially consume, you know, any device um, if it was sat on the internet. Um, and that yeah. very much remains part of our mantra. We've just obviously majored on Windows, Mac, Linux, and, and SNMP-enabled machines. So I think the Internet of Things is clearly a movement. Um, and so I think that'll, um, that'll obviously uh, be a key part of it. And, and probably thirdly, I don't want to overplay the AI card. So I'd call it probably collective intelligence so that the the value of the information that we hold in Data RMM, because it's a true cloud platform, um, connecting millions of devices. Um, and I think we're collecting something along the lines of 5 billion metrics a day now. The ability with the, the upside of Amazon uh, Web Services have given us almost infinite compute, infinite, infinite storage to actually collate um, and sort of order and assess and review that data and present where relevant some of that back to our MSPs so they can start to benchmark themselves against global norms, benchmark certain um, customers of theirs against other customers and start to actually define some useful business intelligence out of that I think is going to be huge as well. Yeah. And, and I have to say, excuse the bias, but I think we'll have a significant competitive advantage just because of the, the true cloud nature of the platform and the scale at which we're, we're, we're picking up this data. Yeah, and I couldn't disagree. And I think actually the uh, AI label that goes along holds it back a little bit because people uh, think of scenarios like yeah. the Terminator and uh, things like that. Yeah. And of course, it's not like that yeah. at all. You're yeah. talking about using collective it's such an overused topic. I think we're looking at it just in terms of, yeah, the, the collective intelligence and the benchmarking that can, can arise from it. And actually, you know, we're starting to, even on the near-term roadmap, um, Matei talked about it, is just um, far more kind of long-term analytics being presented back through the data RMM UI, um, just to help people make informed business decisions based on longer-term trends. So we're already moving towards that. So it's not going to be some big kind of blanket, oh, look, here's a big, you know, AI release in data RMM. It's going to be an iterative. We'll just start to collect, benchmark, and, and present back more and more data. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about your baby, which you've let go out yep. into the wild yep. and grow up. Yep. Would you say he's a teenager now, maybe? Uh, yeah, yeah, about to take its driving <laughs> test, I think, and head out into the big wide world. It's probably hard look at it. But of course, your, um, the, your title within the business is Senior Director EMEA Strategy. So I want to, just in the last few minutes that we've got, yeah. sort of move across. How do you find MSP attitudes of a differ between businesses across Europe. So what's the difference between, say, an MSP in Germany and an MSP in the UK and MSP in France? That is a very good question. Um, yeah, I mean, you specifically use the word sort of how do, how do attitudes differ. I'd say minimally. I, I think the inherent sort of makeup of, you know, the individuals that make up MSPs are very, very similar. Um, and I, I'm very... I think you probably know what happened. I'm so sort of effusive about the the MSP market. I mentioned it in all of the sessions here. Um, I love working in the space, still love working in the space, and have you know utmost respect for for all all these MSPs because they are, you know, sort of hewn from the same 
um, granite, a lot of them in terms of their sort of natural risk taking ability to set up and run their own business. So just in terms of the inherent personality traits, really similar. I think that's the thing that probably um, defines the market. Uh, what, what differs, um, and it's often not as much as people think, is is almost the cultural impact of, of, of the different cultures more than necessarily um, the IT landscape. Um, but they're not as different as I think people think. So um, obviously, we've got a new MD now from here, um, uh, Mark Simon, who um, has spent the last 15 years helping business businesses sort of internationalize effectively. So an English chap working for a French company, most recently um, running their US business. So quite an interesting sort of backstory there. And he he says that really it's it's 80% commonality and it's the last 20% of localization. And that can often be the simple side, just cultural differences, just basic things such as like really committed translation exercises. That's it. But back to your original question, like core attitude, it's pretty uniform. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You've opened in a new office in the Nordics. Correct. Can we expect more of that in the future? Can we expect offices? You've already got a number of offices around. Yeah. Can we expect yeah. more across Europe? Yeah, 100%. So I think the the importance um, f- to that of Amir is enormous. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's a surprise to say that there are many U.S. companies who, um, you know, beyond the English-speaking territories outside of America, have, have struggled to execute. Sometimes, um, it just requires you know ambition, intent, and, and, and the relevant investment. So, Amir is of enormous importance to to Dasso. Um, again, back to the the, the sort of almost uniformity of our market. Ultimately, the opportunity exists wherever there are IT service providers and they exist pretty much everywhere. So yeah, I mean, Copenhagen is, is just the start. We've made no secret about the fact that you know, some markets will be a, an indirect distributor-led play um, for a time. Others will be a direct investment as we, um, as you see in, in the, the new Nordics office. Um, but yeah, the, the team is being beefed up um, on a daily basis just to help us you know, execute and support MSPs across, across Amir. Yeah. So we spoke last year, we spoke again now. Should we speak in 12 months in Berlin and see where things are at? 12 months sounds good to me, (laughs) if not before. Cool, Christian. Thanks for your time, mate. Thanks, Richard. Pleasure. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tubblog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. 